I'm so grateful that there are numbers of days in the year where we traditionally focus on different things, Christmas, Easter, Whit Sunday today, Pentecost Sunday, and uh, reminds us what we should always be focusing on, because every day is Christmas Day. Every day is Resurrection Sunday. Every day is the coming of the Pentecost, a uh, coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. This is our Pentecost. It's never stopped. Never stopped. 2,000 years ago, God poured out His Spirit. It was a definite act, very clear. It was definitive. It happened. But it hasn't stopped happening because if God is pouring out His Spirit, when are we going to run out of this? <laughs> the Holy Spirit's the eternal Spirit of God. God began to pour Him out, has continued to pour Him out, and He is pouring Him out in our lives today. Amen and amen. John chapter 14, in these passages, Jesus speaks so much about the Holy Spirit. The background to it I know you know and understand, and that is Jesus is preparing His disciples for His departure. Very, very soon, in a matter of hours, he's going to be led away to the cross. He's going to die. And they're going to, they're going to have their faith tested, even though he's tried again and again to explain to them that he had to suffer, that he was going to be betrayed, he was going to be crucified, but he was also on the third day going to be raised again from the dead. And, and, but even beyond that, Jesus knew that his time with them was short, because even after the resurrection, when Jesus bodily and physically rose again from the grave, there would be a very short season when he would continue on this planet. A very short time, just a few days, ten days in all, when Jesus would, would, would actually, well, it was longer than that, but a period of time when Jesus would actually be with them and, and they could touch him and, and handle him and eat with him and fellowship with him and say, isn't this amazing? And I'm sure that at that time they said, this is it, this is what we've been waiting for. And Jesus had to prepare them for the time when he was actually, even as the resurrected physical Jesus, was going to go back to the Father. And then when he ascended to the Father, there was this 10-day waiting period when they had to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. I'm so glad we don't have to wait for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit is here. Espiritu Santo está aquí. He is with us today. Amen and amen. But at this time, they had very little understanding. It was still the other side of the cross. They hadn't fully understood that Jesus had to go and suffer at the cross, and he is trying hard to prepare them. And this is what he says, John 14, verse uh, 15 to 18. If you love me, Jesus says, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Where would we be without the Holy Spirit? Everything we have, we owe to the Holy Spirit. Who brought you here today? The Holy Spirit. Who gave you the desire to be here? The Holy Spirit. Who stops you from getting up and running out of the building? <laughs> the stewards, no. <laughs> Every thought that you have to God, 
towards God comes from the Holy Spirit. You see, naturally speaking, we wouldn't do that. The Bible says that the natural man is at enmity with the things of God. And even before we were believers, the Holy Spirit was at work in our lives, giving us the desire to inquire and to think about things and to see and to search. And to, When we heard the gospel, it was the Holy Spirit that convicted us of the truth of the gospel. Just as Peter, when he made that very famous declaration of faith, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus said, this has not been taught to you by flesh and blood, not even your own flesh and blood, Peter, especially not your own flesh and blood. This was no teacher, this was no rabbi, this was the revelation from the Father. The day you first believed in Jesus, it was the Holy Spirit that brought you to that place. And from that moment onwards, every day of your life, every desire that you have to read the Bible, the desire to read comes from the Holy Spirit. The ability to understand comes from the Holy Spirit. The desire to serve God comes from the Holy Spirit. The desire to walk in holiness comes from the Holy Spirit. The desire to be effective as a mother, as a father, or as a husband or a wife, uh, uh, to be effective in your society as a, as a, as a lawyer, as a doctor, as a dentist, as a road sweeper, or a, or a cleanser of our society. I'm talking about the rubbish people, who, not the rubbish people, but the people who deal with the rubbish. Thank God for them. They are the kidneys here in our, in our city, and we need them. Every single thing that we do, if we do it unto the Lord, the Holy Spirit is in it. You would like your dustmen, what are they called now? What's the politically correct term for this? The people who clear away the rubbish. Cleansing department, is it? The, the, the anti-pollution brigade. Anyway, you would like them to be filled with the Holy Spirit, wouldn't you? Praise God. The capacity to serve God, wherever he places us, all of that depends on the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is our divine link with the Father and with the Son. Everything that we have, we owe to him. And therefore... The great business of Christian living is to deepen our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know we're talking about Jesus, but you just follow through on this because we wouldn't even see Jesus or sense Jesus' presence or even have Jesus' presence if it was not for the Holy Spirit. And we need to open to the work of the Holy Spirit because Jesus said, He is going to testify of me. He is going to glorify me. He is going to spotlight me. So when you are full of the Spirit, the first thing you do is see more of Jesus. Therefore, we need to develop our relationship with the Holy Spirit and to Commit to an openness to the Holy Spirit, a real openness, a surrender to the Holy Spirit. In fact, I believe, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that the most important decision you can make following your decision to follow Christ is the commitment to surrender to the Holy Spirit, to surrender to His leading and His guiding, and to welcome Him in every part of your life. Now, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. And I think it's important these days to clarify that and enunciate it because many people say, I don't understand Trinity, it's all complicated. I even hear people who have been Christians for years say, don't talk to me about the Trinity, I don't understand it, it's just, it just it's, it's difficult. It's not difficult. It's very simple. The third person of the Trinity, what does this mean? 
This means, of course, that God is one. Say with me, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. There is only one God. There is only one being who is God. But that being exists eternally in three persons. God the Father, fully God, always God, always will be. God the Son, fully God, always was, always will be. God the Holy Spirit, fully God, always was, and always will be. How can we think about this? So um, we have some people on the front row. Are you, are, you, are you all people? Let me just choose you because you've got a nice smiling face, okay? And you're not going to get mad at me. But am I right? You are a person, is that right? You are a human being, Yes? You are a human being. You're not from another planet. You're a human being. Any other human beings here? Okay. Human being. So you are a human being and you are a human person. So, humanly speaking, we can only be one being and one person. You can't be two persons, can you? No. You are one person. Even when you're acting differently, you're still the same person. All right? Okay, so one being, one person. That's our humanity. But God is bigger than us. He transcends our limitations. This God, who is one, who is one being, exists in three persons. Not just three personalities. He's not schizophrenic, you know, with three. No, no, no. No, no, no. He is one being with three persons. And that's, that's really how simple it is. We're not saying he's one being and three beings. That would be illogical and incorrect. We're not saying he's one person and three persons. That would be illogical and incorrect. He is one being, three persons. And the divinity, God's divine nature, is equally shared with all of them. Therefore, we can talk to the Father because he is God. We can talk to Jesus because he's God. And we can talk to the Holy Spirit. I do it all the time. And by the way, he talks to me as well. And he talks to you. We can have fellowship and communion with the Holy Spirit, who is a person. He is a person, a divine person. And because he's a person, he has a mind, he has emotions, he has a will. And so he's a real person and we can communicate with him and fellowship with him. He is God, he is a member of the Trinity, and he is a person. The Bible speaks of him in relation to New Testament that he is also the promise of the Father. Have you read that before? I've heard that before. The promised Holy Spirit. Even Jesus now is promising. He says in verse 16, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter, another helper. I will pray the Father. This is the gift and the blessing of the Father. I don't know if you remember a number of years ago, it's been quite some time and the blessings that have flown from this move of God have touched many, many different nations in the world, revolutionized many different ministries. But uh, a number of years ago, something special began to happen in a city called Toronto in Canada. Any Torontarians here today? Okay, all right, you're still, probably still there. 
uh, in Toronto. Wonderful outpouring of the Spirit, and a number of people went over there, and people said, you must go over to Toronto to see what God's doing, and a lot of British uh, pastors and leaders went, and a number of journalists, and, and they all came back and said, oh, this is, this is the blessing of Toronto, and it became known as the Toronto Blessing everywhere in the world except in Toronto, because they said, this isn't Toronto, this is the Father. This is the Father. So you talk to them, they talk about the Father's blessing. It's not Toronto blessing, it's the Father's blessing. And everything that God gives to us by the Spirit comes out of the loving heart of the Father to bless us with the blessing of the Holy Spirit. It's the promise of the Father. Now in New Testament times, there are at least three features of the work of the Holy Spirit that are special and unique to the New Testament. The Old Testament is full of the Holy Spirit right from the very beginning. And the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters right there in Genesis chapter 1. From Genesis all the way through the Old Testament, we hear about the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is revealing and enlightening and speaking and empowering all the way through. So he always existed and was always active, but in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, there's some special features. Number one, the Holy Spirit comes to stay. Did you see what Jesus said? I will pray the Father, verse 16, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. You and he are together forever. Toi et lui ensemble pour toujours. Amen. You and him together forever. It's an agreement. The Holy Spirit will never break that agreement. And I'm sure this meant a whole lot to Jesus because Jesus was going to kind of leave them in, in two ways. First of all, he was going to go to the cross. And for three days, he was, they were going to be totally without him, thinking it was all over. Remember that occasion when Jesus had to speak to the dispirited disciples on the, ray, on the road to Emmaus and, and tell them, you don't understand all that has happened. It's, it's, not, it's not a tragedy. It's God's plan. The, the Messiah had to go through these things in order to fulfill God's plan. But they were brokenhearted and they thought that Jesus had gone and the, the whole thing was over and all their hopes and dreams had been dashed and there was nothing more left to look forward to. But Jesus said, no, it's right. And then when they realized that Jesus had been raised again from the dead, they were so happy because they said, he's back. It's wonderful. And during those weeks when Jesus met with them, he, he, they allowed, he allowed them to touch him. They, they shared together. They even ate food together. And they thought, this is just like it was before, but even better. Because, wow, you are, something has happened. You've been raised again from the dead. And then he had to prepare them for the time when he said, I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to go back to my father. But it's to your advantage that I go back to my Father because when I go back to my Father, I'm going to send, receive that promise and send the Holy Spirit. And in that, He is going to stay with you forever. No more separation. No more living in some kind of confusion as if something had gone wrong. The Holy Spirit will never 
leave you. He will never, 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 what's the key word? Never leave you. It's a promise between the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And even when you don't feel him, he's right there. Even when you're going through tough times, he's right there. When you're having fun, he's right there. Make sure you have the right kind of fun. Anyway, when you're having fun, he's right there. When you feel so far away from him, he is never far from you. He is with you always. Old Testament times, we read of the Holy Spirit coming upon people for various tasks and various occasions and, 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 and coming, almost like coming and going, but in the New Testament, he comes to stay. This is a permanent relationship. Also, the difference is, this relationship with the Holy Spirit that we have as New Testament believers is extremely intimate, far more intimate than ever they could experience in Old Testament times. Now, I'm not saying that in the Old Testament there wasn't intimacy. We read about David in some of the Psalms that he wrote, and, and um, that's uh, David the Psalmist, not, not, not our David, David the Wellington, it's uh, the, the previous one. And uh, he talks about longing for the presence of God and the, the intimacy of communion that we see in some of these Old Testament saints of God. It's just amazing. Moses communed with God face to face. He was, he was there in the very presence of God. But that level of intimacy was kind of not available to everybody. And, uh, and even so, the intimacy we experience is even greater than that. You know, if I was making a movie in my mind of all the great Old Testament things where I'd like to have witnessed, I'd love to have seen Moses handle that rod, lift it up, hold it over the Red Sea and see the waters part, Cecil B. DeMille, eat your heart out. No Hollywood production, not even the computer-generated imagery of today could come anywhere near to being there. I'd love to have been there. I'd love to have got wet as the water came right over and you just see walk on dry ground. Amazing, amazing. I'd love to have been there even in New Testament times when Jesus performed great, great and mighty miracles, feeding 5,000 people above with just a few bit morsels of food. I'd love to have been there standing well back from, the, from Lazarus's tomb because, yea, verily, he stinketh. Uh, I'll, I'll stand well back and to see Jesus say, Lazarus, come forth. Maybe he didn't even have to do that. I'm a good Pentecostal preacher, so I guess, you know, I can't even imagine Jesus shouting that because it's very dramatic. Lazarus, come forth. But I don't know that he had to shout. Lazarus. Come forth. Spoke with resurrection authority and the, they rolled the stone away or, and there he was, all bound up like this, coming out and they had to unbind him and set him free and great miracles. But I tell you, nothing can replace the intimacy and the personal witness and experience we have with Jesus. Nothing, nothing in the Old Testament nothing in the New Testament, because Jesus said, verse 17, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you 
orphans, I will come to you. What's he saying here? Saying the world cannot receive this. Remember, the Spirit is given to us, not just for us. The Spirit is given to us for them. It's all about mission. It's all about influencing our world. It's all about reaching out. The number one reason you and I should group together and serve God together in the cell vision, for example, is to reach out to people. Okay, I'll say that again because I wanted a good amen, and I'll go home disappointed if I don't get one. We are called by the Spirit to reach out to people. That's one of the proof positives that the Spirit is really at work in our lives. It's not all about what we get and looking in on ourselves. It's saying, this is so amazing. I want everybody to have it. This intimacy with God. Do you know that's what everybody, anybody ever wants? Deep down in your heart, there is a hunger and a thirst for spirit that only Holy Spirit can fill. Not your job, not your marriage, not your wife, not your kids. Nothing. Not success. Nothing, not influence, nothing can satisfy that thirst other than the Spirit of God who is the fountain of living waters. Amen and amen. Amen. And, And we have him. Don't keep him to yourself. Tell the world about it. This intimate relationship, Jesus said, the world can't receive him, but you know him because you are with him. He dwells with you. During Jesus' lifetime as he was ministering, where was the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit was on Jesus. Amen? The Bible says God gave Jesus the Spirit without measure. Don't talk about a double portion, treble portion. This is measureless. And the measureless spirit, who is eternal and infinite, is upon the person of Christ, who is also eternal and infinite. So wherever Jesus went, there was the Spirit of God. And if you were next to Jesus, you were with the Spirit. That's how those early disciples, before the day of Pentecost, that's how they ministered. They ministered in the power and faith of Jesus. They ministered under the anointing that Jesus had. And he says, you know this Holy Spirit because he is with you. You know him. You've been talking to him. You've been experiencing him. But something even greater than that is going to happen to you. He he dwells with you now, but the day is coming when he's going to dwell in you. The deepening, intensification, the intimacy of the Holy Spirit. So, this is a relationship that is permanent. It's a relationship that is intimate. But it's also a relationship in which the Holy Spirit makes available all His capacities and powers as we seek to live for God and serve Him. Wow! That's, that's amazing. If we believe it, and we should, because the Bible says it and Jesus promised it, that the Spirit of God lives in us and we are temples of the Holy Spirit, 
then we should not be surprised if the Holy Spirit wants to manifest through our lives to lead us and guide us and give us all the abilities we need to fulfill God's purposes. And we might think about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are listed in the New Testament. We are going through these in our 2.30 service today. We're going to be talking about the gifts of healing. How amazing that God will give us capacity, kind of give us an ability beyond our natural ability. Praise God. And to be able to speak in tongues, one of the first things that happens is our tongue is released. Hallelujah. But this is more than hila mashila mashila mahila. And then somebody says, thus saith the Lord, the Lord would say unto thee. And it's just much more than that. So it's much more even than words of knowledge and words of wisdom. It's much more than miracles and signs and wonders. It is God with you on a daily basis. So when you go to work and you say, my God, my God, what am I going to do here? And he'll just say, ask me and I'll tell you. How am I going to sort this one out? Ask him. He'll tell you. He'll give you a wisdom even in your job because the Holy Spirit is already totally gifted and cognizant and skilled in every area of life, living in every profession. A businessman, trust the Holy Spirit. He's a better businessman than you are or a businesswoman than you are for that matter. A school teacher, ask the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the best teacher you could ever have, and he'll teach you to teach others. Hallelujah. Wherever you are, to be a mother, a father, anything that God has called you to do with the Holy Spirit, you can do it as you depend on the Holy Spirit. That's why I say the second greatest decision in life following, the first one which is to accept Christ into your life, is to receive the Holy Spirit, welcome Him in your life on a daily basis, and depend on Him. So the Holy Spirit releases all God's gifts and graces. Put it another way, the key work of the Spirit, as we see here, is that He, <laughs> he brings to us the presence of Jesus. Now we've talked about how the Holy Spirit works, what he's here for and how we to respond to him, but let's cooperate with him. Because the Holy Spirit doesn't really focus on himself. He always points us to Jesus. And here Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. That's bereft and forsaken. He says, I will come to you. Meaning that even now he is absent from us physically, where is Jesus right now? Seated at the right hand of the Father. And he must remain there until the Holy Spirit has made his enemies his footstool. So we're living in the era of the Holy Spirit. Our Savior is absent from us physically. That's why we don't see him like they did in the gospel stories, because he's not on this planet physically, no, but spiritually, yes, because the Holy Spirit brings and carries to us the very presence of the Father, the presence of the Son, and out of this wonderful presence of God in our lives flow everything else that we need. What are these things in, in particular? Well, 
Remember, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit takes hold of us, what happens to us? We become holy. Well, not immediately, not instantly, but it begins by this desire. Oh, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, you don't want to do anything to upset Him. You don't want to do anything that displeases God. All you want is what the Spirit wants. That's why you've got to partner with the Holy Spirit every day of your life. And the Holy Spirit will lead us and, and shape us. The Bible declares, it says in 2 Corinthians, that the, we are being changed by the Holy Spirit as we gaze upon Jesus. So He wants to do a work in your life. He will come, fill you, keep your eyes on Jesus, and show you how glorious Jesus is, and then He will tell you that's who you are in Christ. Now, let's get to work. So this, what's happening here, is going to match who Jesus is. This revival, we call this sanctification, meaning this process by which we grow daily. Remember I said grow, not groan, holiness, uh, no, grow, not groan, grow daily and delightfully to be like Jesus. That comes from the Holy Spirit. Don't even try it without the Holy Spirit. That's bondage. That's religion. No, 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 no. We live in the presence of God, and God lives in us, and out of that comes this desire and His direction and the ability to do so. Oh, hallelujah. How much we need Him. Let's say again, welcome Holy Spirit. Out of His presence flows this life of purity, but also this life of power. Power is not a bad word. It's a good word. If it's the power of God. And without that, we are powerless. Acts 1 verse 8, you shall receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I say power because I'm Pentecostal. So I, I, I go power because you can't ever say power. If I said power, you wouldn't believe I meant it. I've got to say power. And also we get mixed up with this. We think the word dynamis, which is the word power, there means explosion. And we're so desperate to give an explosion that we will explode for no reason. It's not about exploding. The word dynamis means ability. It's that quiet ability that we have to face every situation and introduce into the situation the power of God. Why don't you stop complaining about the men and women in your office? on your place of work. Why don't you introduce them to the power of God? Sorry, to the power of God. <laughs> Why can't you do that? Because you have the Spirit in you. No, all these people talking about, oh, no, pastor, you need to know, it is the devil. It's not the devil. Don't talk about the devil. The devil's defeated, destroyed, driven out, and disarmed. <laughs> it's not the devil. If anybody comes complaining to you about the devil, the devil, say dunamis, dunamis, dunamis. <laughs> dunamis, dunamis, that's the Greek word for power. God's power is greater than the devil. The devil has to submit to you because of the power of God in you. 
and, and we look at and we need to be concerned. We don't put our head in the sand. Our society is slipping, sliding away from God rapidly. But we need to be there to bring the light and the presence and the power of God when they see the power of God in you and they say, how did you do that? You say, it's God. I didn't do that. They say, well, we knew you couldn't do that. It's got to be God. When that stuff happens, people will know that God is living in you. It is not an arrogant thing. There's nothing more humbling. And so know that God, by the blood of Jesus, has made us fit residences for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us because we are washed and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. And any single time when the Spirit manifests and there's that joy in you where you've said something that wasn't premeditated, that made a big difference. When you spoke a word of encouragement, a healing happened, somebody's life was changed, somebody was led to Jesus by what you said, you don't go around and say, look at me, looky, looky, looky. You should be like me. You just say, God, how did that happen? And you will remember, it's not you. It's him. For without him, you can do nothing. But with him, you can do all things. Amen. Give Jesus a praise.